just as I suspected, right on time for The Shalene Show. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. So are you an early bird or are you tardy for the party? Now, if you're an early person, you are going to want to send this episode to the people in your life who are driving you crazy because they just can't get to places on time. But I also hope that this episode is going to give you insight and understanding so that maybe you can be helpful to those people who are closest to you and perhaps even guide them to fix their tardy ways. Because simply saying, you know, can't you just be on time or I don't want us to be late isn't helping. And you know that this episode is going to help the early birds to have a better understanding of why people are late and why they can't just fix that and how to feel less frustrated when it does happen. Okay, now for my chronically late lovelies. This may be the episode that helps you nip lateness in the bud. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, because despite the rumors, I know you're not a narcissist. And I know that you care about other people's time. I know you actually hate being late. You hate the way it feels. And you actually do want to change this habit. I have to say, I can't think of a personality characteristic that is more polarizing than timeliness. When I started doing my prep for this episode, I reached out to my friends in social media. And of course, the majority of my interactions right now are on Instagram stories and on Snapchat. That's how you can kind of leave me a voicemail message or connect with me a little more intimately at the moment at the time that I'm recording this, which is coming into summer 2018. But I was shocked and I'm not kidding, shocked by the emotion this topic brings up. As someone who was once late to absolutely everything, who was raised in a home where we were taught basically by both of our parents that like it is the advantage to be late. It's not something you do to be rude, but you have the advantage if you show up once everybody got there. That's a hard habit to break. But when I was late for absolutely everything, I never had someone say to me, like, that's rude. You know what I mean? Like, so I never knew what people were thinking. And once I knew what people were really thinking and that it wasn't just an exaggeration, but this is how people felt, it really helped to curb or improve, I should say, my lateness. I mean, I'm not going to put myself out there like I'm perfect because I'm not. I'm still late to too many things. I also know how to be on time now. And before, I didn't know how to be on time. Once I knew what other people were really thinking when I was late, that made a huge difference for me, like a huge difference for me, because a lot of people who are late are people pleasers. And the last thing in the world a people pleaser wants to do is have people be mad at them. This is, in fact, an exercise in tough love. So to my often late lovelies, I want you to know these voicemail messages like they are talking about you. They're not talking about someone who's always late and, you know, you're the person who's only sometimes late. Like if you want to change, because I know you do, I want you to hear these messages And I want you to know that these are the things that people won't say to your face, but it is 100% what they're thinking. 
it sends me a message that they do not value my time. They do not respect my time. Therefore, they do not respect me. I hate when people are late. There's so many ways to not be late. I've always heard the words in the police academy, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. I have three young kids and I still manage to be punctual because I plan ahead when other people who maybe don't have kids at all or their kids are older and much more self-sufficient and they're late, it freaking pisses me off. Get your together. Bottom line, it's selfish and I find it very frustrating. They don't have any care or regard for anyone else. And it makes me frustrated that I have to waste my time waiting for them. It's just disrespectful and rude and inconsiderate. And I feel like it's an easy fix. Like, I don't feel like most folks who are chronically late have a very good excuse. They sort of just think it's fine, like it's kind of their little quirk or something. But really, it's not. It's just disrespectful to everyone else that you're going to meet. So be on time so frustrating to me because I feel like the people who are chronically late are constantly trying to fit in these last minute tasks before it's time to go and I just don't think they know how to prioritize. People that do not respect my time are the people that are chronically late and it is disrespectful. It is also, in my opinion, a way that they control the situation. I've also found that people that are chronically late have other deficiencies, for lack of a better word, in their own lives. The feeling that I get when um, I'm waiting for someone is it's an uncontrollable anger. Obviously, impatience, frustration um, that sort of feels like it's bubbling up underneath my skin, like it's uncontrollable. It's, it's you know, I'm sitting there, I'm antsy, I'm impatient. I'm like, why? Why are they late? Why do they not care about this? That's how I feel. Doesn't matter if it's a friend, a family member, or a coworker. It's rude. It is disrespectful of other people's time. And do these people not know the impression they leave when they're coming in late? It's not good at all, and it causes tension in relationships, like I said, whether it's professional or personal. How is your time so freaking important that you can't get your up, yet I'm sitting here waiting while I'm not even getting paid? I'm literally sitting in the parking lot waiting for you to open the door so that I can get paid. I'm not getting paid to sit here in the parking lot until you're late. I mean, come on, we're, it's common sense. I'm like, just get your head out of your and actually get to work. How hard is it? Don't use your kid as an excuse. But yeah, it's major disrespect. And I just want to basically tell them who the hell do you think you are that your time is more precious than my time. And it just feels like they consider their time to be more valuable than mine and incredibly disrespectful. And it drives me insane. I just don't understand how they can't ever get themselves to a place on time and they don't even make the effort. Come on. What the f What do they think that they're more important than we are? That is one of my biggest pet peeves. It just bugs the out of me and I just have no respect for people who don't respect my time because they think they're so important um ouch so imagine that that's what people are thinking because I'm telling you I didn't have one 
Not even a single message from someone who said, yeah, it doesn't bother me that much. Even the people who are often late, they even left me messages saying, you know, it's funny, I'm often late, but I really hate it when someone else is late. I feel like they are disrespecting me, but they don't feel that way about themselves when they're late. Isn't that interesting? But I I want you to, especially if you are a late person, or if you know someone who's late, I want you to play these messages for them because it is that tough love. I know for me personally, once I recognized that this is what was going through people's minds, that was really, really powerful because I'm a people pleaser to an extent. Knowing that I was being offensive or rude to people or that you hear all of the descriptions, they're the same in almost every message. Almost every message, they say rude. You think you're better than everybody else. It was also important to hear that people assume you are incredibly disorganized in all areas of your life, that you are, you've got problems, you have major personality issues, you think you're better than everyone else, you have an inability to manage your time, an inability to get things done on a deadline, and no matter your reputation, no matter how kind you think you are or how likable you are, the fact of the matter is you have a personality trait that people find rude. Do you want to be known as someone who's rude? Because that's how even people who don't say anything, who smile and nod and say, oh no, don't worry about it. Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. I just got here. Well, that same individual just moments ago was thinking how rude you are. I mean, do you want people to think of you as rude, as self-centered, as a narcissist? Do you want people to have the impression that as kind and as put together and as successful as you are, you still have these major disrespectful tendencies? Do you want people to have the impression that you think you're better than them, that you're somehow more important than the rest of the world? This is, in fact, how it makes people feel. Hearing those things really changed the way I felt about the fact that people weren't noticing if I was late or that it wasn't causing a major problem. Like it wasn't a big deal. In my mind, it wasn't a big deal. It was more an inconvenience for me because I hated being late. It wasn't until Brett, my husband, who's always early to everything, like not a little bit early when we first started dating and we're first married, he wanted to be 15 minutes to everything, like even a party where I'm like, dude, they haven't even set out the chip dip yet. Like we cannot walk in. We have definitely had an effect on each other. Like he's helped me and I've helped him and more so he's helped me. (laughs) Let's be honest here. I think I helped him to relax and understand that, you know, you actually don't have to show up 15 minutes early to a party. And I helped him to understand how that made me feel as someone who's, well, I I know I've said this before, but I'm what I like to call an outgoing introvert. So I love hanging out with people. I love asking tons of questions. I love being around people, but I can only do it for like a limited amount of time. And then I start to feel emotionally exhausted, especially if it's a party and there's going to be a lot of people there. I explained to him getting there extra early and being like the first person to have to greet people and and have small talk and listen to stories like, and then to stay as long as I need to stay in order to see the people I want to see. 
it's more exhausting. Like it's more fun and it's easier and it's less anxiety ridden for me if we can limit the amount of time we're at these things and not be the first ones there. That helped him to understand in those situations where it really is okay if you don't show up at the exact time the party's supposed to start, that that was a compromise we could make. In return, he explained to me how it makes him feel when I made us late for things or cutting it close. He explained how it made him feel. He said it made him feel like other people were looking at him like he was rude, that he thought he was the center of the attention, that he was disorganized, that he didn't have his priorities straight, that he was disrespectful. And those feelings, like knowing that people were thinking that, because obviously that's what he thinks when someone's late, knowing that people were thinking that about him and that it wasn't his doing, it was my doing, created all this anxiety and anger and animosity toward me, like resentment. And this was a pretty serious conversation because until this point, we just had that constant tension. And I just would say like, I'm trying. I'm trying, but this, 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 and this. I didn't know these shirt needed a button sewn on it, or I didn't have enough time to do blah, blah. You know, I would just make up excuses, and he would just kind of stomp around the house and be in a bad mood. And I was always like, what's the big deal? But we never had a calm, outside of that moment, conversation about how being late or being early made the other partner feel. Brett simply assumed that I knew how it made him feel. Obviously, I could see, but I didn't truly know how it made him feel and why it made him feel that way. And once I like thought about it rationally and remembered, I love this person. Why would I want them to feel anxious and nervous and angry and like their world is out of control? Like that's the last thing I would ever want my husband to feel. And I know that's the last thing he would ever want me to feel. When we're talking about changing habits, developing new ones and breaking bad habits, you need something that motivates you. And that was a pretty motivating revelation to know how I was making him feel. And I actually had the ability to control that. Imagine if you had an extreme fear of heights and even climbing up on a ladder made you have an anxiety attack. Well, imagine if your significant other was always asking you to climb to the top of a ladder and teeter there. It would be very disrespectful. It wouldn't be loving. It certainly wouldn't be caring. We don't want the people that we love to feel needlessly uncomfortable. As I mentioned, I've done a considerable amount of research in preparing for this particular episode. Believe it or not, there aren't many books on the subject, but there's a great one called Never Be Late Again, which I will refer to often throughout this podcast. But I didn't just read the book. I conducted my own surveys and looked at research, research done by the San Francisco State University that, in fact, found 20% of the population is chronically late. I also found in my own personal, of course, non-scientific research that almost no one admits that they're chronically late. They like to say, I am often late. I am sometimes late. But to identify as chronically late is just something most people don't want to do. I also reviewed the work of many experts on the subject, including psychologist Pauline Wallen from Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. I looked at studies from Beloit College, the research done by Diana Delonzor, and Dr. Lawrence White on the psychology of punctuality. 
And the goal of this podcast is to solve a problem, a pretty big problem, a major problem. In fact, tardiness is estimated to cost the U.S. over $90 billion in lost productivity every year. But the problem isn't just financial, and it's a painful problem for both parties, whether you're often early or chronically late. The problem is painful. Despite what you might think about those who are often late, they truly hate that feeling. And they don't know how to be on time. It's a matter of thinking. And for those who are always early, they don't understand how it is you're always late. And they don't understand how, if you truly do care about people, why you can't make the effort to be on time. And if we're going to find a resolution, a way to solve this problem, we have to start with an investigation, a collection of facts. So let me share with you some of those facts, and hopefully in the process, I'll be able to dispel a lot of the myths and misconceptions that are causing turmoil in really important relationships. First, research has shown that people who are chronically late, on average, underestimate how long time passes, how long it takes for time to pass by as much as 40% off the mark. One study at the San Francisco State University found that over 20% of the population is chronically late, but it's not because they don't value other people's time. You see, that's a misconception. It's actually far more complicated than that. Most notably is the fact that the brain of someone who's chronically late looks a little different from the brain of someone who's chronically early. In fact, blood flow in the brain of latecomers suggests that many people who are late have a pattern of brain electrical activity that's referred to as the cortical slowing. It's characterized by an elevation of low-frequency theta waves and a reduction in high-frequency beta waves in the prefrontal cortex. Now, our prefrontal cortex, the front of your brain, is what we use for good decision-making. Your prefrontal cortex is the area of your brain that's responsible for planning things, for complex cognitive behaviors, for decision-making, and for moderating social behaviors. Get this, the frontal cortex is the area of our brain that is responsible for like adhering to rule learning. It's in your prefrontal cortex that your brain figures out what to do with conflicting thoughts. Thoughts like, hmm, should I organize my sock door or should I grab my keys and leave? Discovering this was pretty interesting for me because before I started down the path of healing my brain, when I had my brain scan done at the Amen Clinic, my brain specced, S-P-E-C-T, you can Google that if you're interested in having one done for yourself or a loved one, I had almost no blood flow to support my prefrontal cortex. And at that time, I was chronically late. At the height of my ADD, I was really struggling with making those simple decisions. Like, I know I've got 30 minutes to get out the door, but I also know I wanted to do an Instagram post and my closet is a mess. So should I do the Instagram post and also clean my closet or should I get ready and leave on time? Like, my brain really struggled with what was the right decision when I was at the height of my attention deficit disorder. Now, this is not to make an excuse for those who are late. 
Rather, it's to help minimize the anger that you feel as someone who's always early. When you're waiting on someone, it's not personal. And it's not that they think better of themselves. It may just be that their brain doesn't function as clearly, their prefrontal cortex, as yours does. But don't let that discourage you because everyone has the potential to improve this area of their brain and to adopt the habit of punctuality. Perhaps one of the most significant differences between those who are always on time and those who struggle to be punctual is that those who are often late have a much more laid-back approach to time. In fact, those people actually feel that time passes differently. In three separate studies, they took individuals who were both late and a group of individuals who were always on time. And they asked each group to estimate how long one minute was. On average, the on-time group raised their hand at 58 seconds. That was the average, which means most people were almost exactly to the second on time. Now, the late group, their average was 77 seconds when they raised their hand. That's an 18-second gap under circumstances where people know what they're being judged on. They're being judged on their accuracy of time. So in those 18 seconds, if we're talking about someone who's chronically late and has a misconception of how quickly time passes, that adds up over the course of an hour. In a study by San Francisco State University, wherein they studied 225 chronically late individuals, found some very clear patterns amongst them. Number one, they tended to express difficulty with self-control. They were more prone to other habits like not getting enough sleep, overeating, overdrinking, impulse shopping, and they demonstrated an affinity for thrill-seeking. Most of them also displayed many ADD-like symptoms, often very restless, trouble-focusing. They were found to be easily distractible, ambivalent, multitaskers, and the type of people who need to be in constant motion. Contrary to popular belief that being late is simply about being lazy, research demonstrates that those who are chronically late have an overwhelming urge to be in constant motion. This only helps us to better understand the mind and the motivation of someone who's chronically late. But here's another thing that chronically late individuals have in common. Optimism. Yeah, they're very optimistic, in particular about how much they can get done and how long a drive will take. So they're incredibly optimistic about the fact that even though the drive every single day takes 30 minutes, one time, just one time, they were able to do it in 19 minutes. The latecomer only ever looks at their personal record. And they fail to take into consideration life, like you're not going to be able to find your keys. Your car is on E. You hit every red light. There's an accident. People who are on time, they pad for these things. As humans, what we do is try to make ourselves comfortable. And even though no one wants to be late, it's often very uncomfortable for the type of person who's regularly late to show up someplace early and try to imagine themselves sitting patiently, even if just for a few minutes, waiting for a meeting to start. So instead, to keep themselves in the comfort zone, they will often try to arrive exactly on time. Couple that with a distorted ability to accurately estimate time, and you have yourself a recipe for the chronically late.
In contrast, the person who's always early, they too want to keep themselves feeling comfortable. The thought of arriving late makes them feel anxious, nervous, frustrated, and out of control. We also know that much of our behaviors and our good habits are taught to us or role modeled during early childhood. People who are punctual when they're interviewed often share stories about a father or a mother who who would drive away and leave for baseball practice without the kids if the kids weren't in the car by a specific time. Oftentimes for those people who are punctual, it's a habit that was role modeled to them and the significance and importance of it, just like good manners, were emphasized by one or both parents. Yet in his empirical studies, Dr. Lawrence White also reported that there are some people who it just seems to be innate. So what kind of role modeling did you have? Now, I grew up in a family of five. I'm the oldest, and I have a younger sister and a younger brother. Marge and Bill, my mom and dad, were late to everything. Ironically, my mom never seemed to be annoyed by this. In fact, both my parents seemed to be okay with it. But whenever my mom was taking us to something, we were on time. But yet, most often it was my dad driving or my dad in charge of the plan, so we were late for everything. And he's a very, very laid-back, super chill individual. It's really hard to get him mad, both my parents. And so I remember him like joking about being late, like it was a positive, like he's such an optimist, which, by the way, is another very common trait of people who are late, is they're, they're optimistic about everything, including drive time and the time it takes to do things. So we would be arriving to, say, my Aunt Nellie's house for Thanksgiving, and as a child, I knew we were like an hour and a half late. And I would be like, we're missing all this time with our cousins. And my dad would joke about it and say, no, you, this is perfect. It's perfect. By the time we get there, they're going to just be getting into the desserts. You know, he always made it a positive. When we went to the movies, he would comment on how awesome it was that everybody else had to sit there through those dumb previews. And we got to walk in right as the movie started. And, you know, if you showed up late to an event, the sales had already started or people had already finished their small talk. I don't remember a trip or like going to visit someone. I can't even think of one time where my dad didn't say, oh, guys, I found this amazing antique shop or there's this place over here where there's this hidden museum or, oh, we've got to take the, like we were always doing a last minute detour or he was always doing one more thing or trying to fit one more activity on the drive to wherever it was we were already late to arrive. Now, I never heard anyone say anything negative about my dad being late or our whole family being late, I should say. And my dad was super likable. Like everyone lit up when my mom and dad walk in the room, like everyone was like, oh, Marge and Bill are here. So I just started to form, I think probably both, all three of us, my brother, my sister, and I all formed a very strong association, positive association with being late. Until I met my husband. And that was a different story because in his family, it's a very negative association with being late. I mean, his dad's a football coach. If you don't show up 15 minutes early, you're probably going to get kicked off the team. And my husband being the oldest and the rule follower and with a super hyperactive prefrontal cortex, because he's also had his brain scanned, I'm like, well, of course, look at all the freaking blood flow in the front of his brain. This isn't fair. But it's like, we had these completely opposite experiences growing up. So I had to learn 
And we can all do this. We can all unlearn beliefs. It was a false belief. It is a false belief that being late is okay. <laughs> My dad, better late than never. Hi, Dad. Hi. Hi, it's both of us. Hi, Mom. Hi. Oh, how nice. Great. How are you feeling? I'm feeling fantastic. Your leg okay? I'm like a superhero. Wow. Oh, that's that's good. Wow. Well, I'm glad you yeah. guys called because I am. I'd like to ask you a few questions if I could. Okie dokie. Okay, Mom, you are on time for things when you're not with Dad. So, does it create anxiety for you when you're late because of Dad? Yes. But she's never late because of Dad. Yes, it does. It's big time. <laughs> Wait, why does Dad say you're not late because of him? No, that's, that's a joke. That's a joke because no, I mean. I am ready to go almost every single time before her, waiting in the car, trying to get her to close the doors, remember the things that she forgot. I mean, I'm on time all the time, but I have to sit in the car and wait for her to actually get ready. No, now, no that's not true, but... <laughs> now, here's the difference. Dad, do you, I mean, I obviously you know how to be on time, and I think I've noticed now that I'm an adult, you are more on time than when we were little. You definitely can be on time. Like if it's a, you know, somewhere I'm like, oh, I need you here at this time. You're there on time, which you have the ability to. But why do you think you're late? Uh, he plans too many things in one day. I try and get too many things uh, if, if I have a moment, a single moment that I think is in excess of what I need, I try and cram something else into it. Yeah. And then maybe I lose track of time and I'm late. Yeah. I'm trying to do something else before I leave. Mm -hmm. I'm not focused enough on being on time. Mm -hmm. If I'm focused, then I'm on time. Mm -hmm. um, and mom, when you were first dating or married, you were on time, I assume. And did you ever tell dad, like, it really bothers me that we're late? Or did you just roll with the punches? <laughs> we were always late coming home from our date. I was always in trouble. He could never get me to the front door on time. <laughs> I was always in trouble with my parents. That was a plan. No. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it always bothered me. He was always fitting something else in that we, he didn't have time to do, and that would make us late. Just what he says. He's always fitting something more into the day or the hour or the minute <laughs> that he needed to and that would make us late. Uh, Dad, do you have a difficult time knowing how much time has passed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not so bad at estimating time. The problem is I get hyper-focused on whatever I'm doing and forget completely about, about the time. Completely about time. Completely, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't exist. <laughs> Did you ever have um, someone tell you, Listen, it's rude when you're late. Oh, yeah. Numbers of people. You can think of one. Well, you were the boss. There's you too many. Late. <laughs> well, that's why I had to have my own business. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. quit telling me that. Yeah, I couldn't tell him that. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you something. With every job that I had, I would show up late. You were always late for school. Always, 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 always late for school. Every day. Every day. Every single, and he only did four days a week. <laughs> I was dating. He was 
wasn't going four days a week. He was always sick on Monday. So he only did four days a week, and that four days a week, he was always late for school. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to school. When I would go to work, you know, your boss would expect you to be on time, and I wouldn't be. I would be late. But when I got there, I worked harder and smarter and longer than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I never had a job where I was chastised for being late for very long. They all just adjusted to it and forgot about it. Mm. It is unthinking to use up somebody else's time, them being forced to wait for you. There's no question about that. But I was always that person. And amazingly enough, many times I used that to my advantage. Other people, when they thought they were late, or if they couldn't be on time, wouldn't go. They would call ahead, say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it. I always thought, I'll make it. I may be late, but I'll still make it, and I'll get it done when I get there. <laughs> so in bankruptcy court, I couldn't tell you how many times I showed up late, ended up being the only one there, and made phenomenal deals. On top of that, people began to understand that I was going to be late and that they could rely on it. <laughs> oh, Lordy. And then beyond that, when I had my own business, I made a point of not keeping track of people's time when they came in, just in make, making sure that I got spectacular results once they were there. And what I found is that there were a lot of people like me that had a very difficult time getting to work but then overperformed once they got there. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of those employees, and we did fantastic. <laughs> they loved, they loved working at an office with 30 people at no time clock. Yeah, you are an optimist in that regard, and I think you've always, <laughs> you've always seen it as an advantage to be late and pass that trade on to your kids. Are you ever late? Uh, yeah, I mean, I used to be horribly late. I didn't actually know how to be on time. I had to, like, learn how to do that. But what was hard about learning to do that is I wasn't motivated to do that because all my life I was role modeled that it was a positive to do more and show up late or on time. Changing Did a I tell you it was a positive to be late? Yes, always. I, I mean, indirectly... I mean, the story you just shared is an example of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 The only reason I, I ask that question is that, for example, my parents, they were never late. They felt it was unthinkable. It was rude. It was, you know, beyond comprehension to be late. They were never, ever late. They set the most perfect example. But yet, I was always late. If, if, if I showed up to work 15 minutes early, oh my God. and there wasn't a pile of building blocks, lumber, nails, and hammers so that I could build something in that 15 minutes, I'd commit suicide. <laughs> I couldn't stand to sit there for 15 minutes and not do anything. And we have friends that, like, if we tell them to come pick us up at 6, at 2 minutes to 6, they're sitting at the end of the driveway so they, they can drive in and be there at 6. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a half a minute before or a half a minute late. So, yeah. when I go to a motorcycle race, I was never, ever late. And you're the if boss. If I go to a skeet shoot, I'm never late. 
if I'm going to somebody's wedding, if I'm going to Brock's football game, I'm not late. Right. On the other hand, if Jim and I had to catch an airplane, we might keep the airplane waiting for 30 minutes before we got on. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. I had to, to go in the men's room to get your dad out once <laughs> to get on a plane. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was right around the corner. I had to walk into the men's room and say, look, they're getting on the plane and they're holding the door open for you. Get off the toilet. <laughs> we, we, did notice that, we did notice that Janelle was three hours late to our anniversary. That's true. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's yeah. your fault. Yeah, I believe it. Listen, if that was the only potentially negative side effect of your parenting, I guess we'll give you a pass. Okay. We'll take it. We need a few. Well, I got one question. This whole subject, and it would be interesting for me to know how much of it is genetic and how much of it is totally controllable but, well it's um, all it's all controllable but there's a genetic factor yeah it's all i always wondered why my parents were so timely and i never was i know have add probably pretty extreme right oh, and, yeah. and, and also extreme no question <laughs> mom oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Well, and also because, you know, a big, well, I think 50% of our brain is genetic. And so if I have extreme ADD and a happy brain, that's 50% genetic. So it's likely I got it from one or both of you. And I don't think mom has ADD. She's very able to focus. And so, yeah, that's a big part of it. But then just like anything, you learn coping techniques. Like, obviously, you've learned if you can show up to Brock's football game or something that's important, then you've already learned the coping technique. Now it's just applying it in other areas. Okay, I have to wrap this up. Okay, okay. all right. I love you guys very much. Love you too. Try and be on time. Okay. For, while I have you, though, while you're on the record, um, who's your favorite child? Oh, you are. Say it, Mom. You're the first you born. Good job. I need you. you guys are brilliant. I love you. Okay, that couldn't have been scripted any better. Okay, first of all, did you hear a couple of things are really important. Number one, it is possible even for someone who's chronically late to be on time. So it is a strategy. It's a skill that means all of us can learn it. Number two, busted. Did you hear my dad like go into such great detail as to why it was advantageous for him to be late? And that was like the perfect example of how someone who's late can rationalize it. Like, it's okay because I make up for it, or it's okay because I'm constantly doing things, or it's okay because people can count on me, right? So I just think that was really powerful. Here's the deal. We can fix this, and it needs to be fixed because it's a problem. That's why this is a two-part episode. Every single one of us who struggle to be on time we have no choice. And I can say this because I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I've read books and I've read articles where they make those of us who are tardy the villain. And as you heard in the voicemail messages on this podcast, it is the commonly held belief is that you are a narcissist, that you need to be the center of attention, that you think you're better than everybody else, that you are a hot mess, disorganized, you don't care about people and you're rude. Now I know I know that's not true, but if 80, listen to me, 
if 80% of the population believes that to be true, then we, those of us who think it's okay to be late, we is incumbent upon us to make a change. Period, end of subject. There's no excuse for it. We just have to be better. I'm not suggesting that this is going to happen overnight, but even in preparing for this episode, it's really brought these things to my attention again and just hearing these messages Being late, being chronically late means you are in the wrong. That is not how society operates. I know this of you. I know because most of us who are people pleasers, you want to make people happy. And oftentimes that's the excuse you give yourself for being late because you're doing all, you're trying to fit in one more thing for all these extra people. And in an effort to be conscientious of your time today, I want to leave you knowing that there's a very important part two to this episode, because right now we're at a stage where I hope I've helped you to understand both sides a little better. I hope that things are starting to sink in, but I promise you this, in my next episode, I'm going to give you strategies, whether you're the person who's dealing with someone who's always late or you're the person that's late. And I know you actually do care what people think and you do care about people's feelings and I hope that after listening to this, you're motivated to make some serious changes and to stop making excuses. And I know it's okay for you, but it's hurtful to other people. It's hurtful, most importantly, to the people who you're closest with, your friends, your significant other, and your coworkers. Those people deserve, unless you don't care about their feelings, then don't listen to part two. But if you care... You need to listen to part two because I'm going to give you some strategies that you can put in place to learn the habits of punctuality. And it's really important for those of you who are punctual to listen to part two as well because you're going to learn some coping techniques. Like, let's face it, you're dealing with someone whose brain is wired a little differently than yours. Simply saying, just be on time, work in reverse, set an alarm on your phone. Be better organized. Like you've said those things a million times before. It hasn't worked. So I'm going to give those of you who are punctual some strategies to help you help that person who's important to you make these changes. We're happiest when our relationships are peaceful and happy. And the only way we're going to make some progress is if both of us come to an understanding and we both work to make these changes. I promise, even if it's not your significant other that's late, My next episode will really help to diminish those feelings of anxiety and rage that you feel when you're waiting on someone. I hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as I have. I just think it's been so interesting and I would love to hear your voicemail. So you can leave that for me if you follow me on Snapchat. I am Shaleen Official. And if you don't want to leave it on Snapchat, you can also go to my website. Just go to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash podcasts. And that's where you'll see a little widget that allows you to record me a voice message. As you could tell from these, I'm, you know, I just use a sentence or two. So please try to keep it brief and feel free to re-record it if it doesn't turn out just right. I appreciate you very much. We're going to do this work. And guess what? I'm going to release part two for you this week. Why? Because you are the superhero. I love you. And I can't wait to spend time with you again soon. And Janelle and Bill, if you're listening, My apologies. I didn't mean for you to find out this way that mom and dad, that I'm their favorite. I mean, maybe you already suspected it, but 
as I'm sure you could hear in this recording, there was no pressure. They were of sound mind and sound judgment. And um, I'm, uh, I'm, ju- I'm just sorry you had to find out this way. But I love you both.